What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Capitalize Podcast. As always, this episode is brought to you by our private lending company, Sharper Capital Partners. If you want to learn more about building your real estate investing business with Sharper Capital, you can check us out at sharpercapitalpartners.com. Today, we're going to be talking about how cash needed to close for a deal using hard money is actually calculated. And when you think about cash to close, this is one of the C's and the four C's that we've talked about in the past. You know, we've had conversations on this podcast and in articles on our website about the four C's, and that's really how we qualify deals. And those four C's are character, collateral, capacity, and credit. And a lot of deals that we see come across our desk actually make it past the character portion. They pass the character test, they pass the collateral test, so the actual asset, the deal itself looks good, but the borrower who's bringing us a deal just doesn't have enough cash to get the deal done. Now, it's third on the list out of four, but it's super important for a number of reasons, and we're going to talk through all those reasons today. Yeah, so um, in regards to what goes into the cash we're expecting to um, see from a borrower in order to close on a loan with us, uh, there's, there's a number of things that take place throughout either the initial closing of the loan um, or the acquisition of the property and the uh holding costs associated with the property. So first and foremost, the the big and hairy is the down payment, right? It's it's the amount that's required, um, usually as a percentage of the purchase price or the as is value of the property um, in order to close on the loan. And then you're gonna have other associated loan costs with your closing. And that could be things like origination fees, um, any appraisal fees, anything in the realm of that. Other closing costs might revolve around, you know, fees with the title agency, other settlement costs like prepaid insurance or anything like that, um, and any other additional fees that the title agency might charge. In regards to additional cash, like that's the cash you're going to be expected to uh, have ready to go for closing. There are some ways around that. We'll talk about that here shortly. But that's the that's what most of your cash is going to be going towards, if not all your cash going towards um in the beginning. Now, there are other uh, there are other reasons why we want to see more cash than just those things we stated. Specifically, if there's a rehab or construction component to your project, we're going to be wanting to see at least, you know, the rehab amount divided by the number of disbursements and that might be a little confusing, so we'll go through an example. Let's say you have a construction budget of $30,000 and we negotiate negotiate up front that you're going to need uh, to take three draws in order to get through the construction budget. So $30,000 divided by the number of draws, which is three. So it's $10,000 per draw. And in addition to that, you know, we're going to want to see not only just the $10,000, we're going to want to see a little bit of a contingency reserve, usually around 10%. So if the total rehab budget is $30,000, 10% contingency there, is you know, three grand and then you know adding that to the disbursement amount that we're looking for is going to total around thirteen thousand that's the ten thousand dollars plus the the three or ten percent contingency off of thirty thousand now a lot of clients will come to us and say things like well you know do i really need to have this much cash available because i have a line of credit or i have a credit card with home depot and i'll be buying some materials and i only have to pay for labor out of pocket so you know, well, I really need that much cash. And we always fall back to, yeah, you're going to want, you know, that amount in cash just in the instance that 
something else pops up in your real estate investment related business, right? This is capital intensive. That's why you're coming here for hard money in the first place. Um, we're seeing a lot of deals wind up in our portfolio because other people aren't uh, conservative enough in how much cash it's going to take to get through their project. So they're having to sell projects before they're completed because they run out of funds. And we don't want to be one of those lenders that, you know, is, uh, is with a client who doesn't have enough funds to get through their project. In addition to just the rehab and construction component, there's going to also be the holding costs for the duration of the loan. And, you know, the way we look at that is, okay, let's add up all of your holding costs and multiply that by, and, and take the holding costs on a monthly basis, let's say, and then we'll multiply that by the duration of the loan. So, Let's say you have a six month loan, it's going to be a fix and flip. And you know, you're going to get through all your rehab and construction during that time. Some monthly fees that you might be either accruing for or actually experiencing would be taxes, utilities, your loan payment, HOA fees. A common rule of thumb that we like to go off of is estimate one and a half, two percent of the ARV for holding costs. And so take that monthly holding cost, we'll multiply it, let's say it's $1,000 and we'll multiply it by six months. So uh, holding costs in this situation might be $6,000. And uh, again, it's just, we wanna have that number built in there so that we can make sure the client has ample cash in order to get through the loan and, and the project without getting held up or, or needing to extend because they're waiting on funds to show up when they should already be there. Right. And I don't even, I don't necessarily blame people for coming to us and in, in wanting to get a deal done with no cash out of pocket. I think it's totally fair. Everybody in real estate wants to put as little money down as possible and make their cash go as far as possible. Plus you have things like bigger pockets and you have a lot of other, you know, real estate professionals out there talking about getting deals done with no cash out of pocket. And it's certainly possible. Maybe you can find a private lender, um, an individual or a group of individuals who are willing to to do a loan like that or to invest with you. But when we're talking about hard money lenders and generally private lenders who run you know, their operation like a business, it's typically not gonna work out that way. And uh, one thing that Grant alluded to earlier is there is a way to minimize the amount of cash that you bring out of pocket using cross collateral. We're gonna talk about that in just a second. But first I wanna talk about one of the levers regarded or related to hard money that oftentimes trips people up. And so I'll walk through this and we're gonna use an example to kind of clarify exactly what I mean. So typically lenders will provide up, you know, a loan amount up to a certain amount, typically a max LTV, loan to value, or LTC, loan to cost. And they wanna be involved in 100% of the rehab and they'll fund up to a certain percentage of the purchase price. Call it anywhere from 10 to 20% or 25% required down from you. So, uh, 90% of purchase or 75%, somewhere within that range. Now, if you think about this, let's just use an example, right? If we're using, if we're doing a property, if we're doing a project that has a $200,000 ARV, the lender offers 65% LTV, loan to value, meaning 65% of that 200,000, that gets you a loan amount of about 130,000. And then you're gonna have a purchase price of 100, 100,000, a rehab budget of 50,000 and the lender offers 80% of purchase and 100% of rehab. 
So in this example, they're gonna offer up to $80,000 for purchase, meaning you bring 20, and they'll offer 100% of the rehab, meaning 50. So that means that the total loan amount that they're willing to offer adds up to 130,000, which if we're going back and we remember, 130,000 is 65% of 200,000. The, the, the problem that some people run into and are surprised by is let's say in the same example, the rehab budget is actually 60,000 rather than 50. So in this case, if the lender's offering 80% of purchase, the purchase price is 100,000, $80,000 towards purchase, and 100% of rehab, which is now 60, gets you to 140,000. But we're working with the same project, the ARV is 200, that's $10,000 over their max LTV of 130,000. So that additional $10,000 will come out of the amount that the lender is willing to offer towards the purchase price. Because if you remember, I said, you know, lenders will want to be involved in all of the rehab, they'll offer 100% of the rehab funds. So really the math there is just $130,000, their max loan amount, 65% of the ARV, minus the full rehab budget. In this case, now it's 60,000. And so they'd only be able to offer $70,000 towards purchase, which is actually 70% of the purchase price. And that's something, you know, I spend a lot of time having conversations with investors who come to us and their rehab budgets are pretty big and there's not a ton of room in the deal to work with. And so, you know, I'll offer, I'll, I'll present them our terms and I'll present them what we're able to quote for a project like this. And I hear back, well, I thought you offered, you know, 80% of the purchase price. And then I have that exact conversation with them, but uh, specific to their project and specific to their property. And, you know, so that's the lever that, that trips a lot of people up. And that's why I think before coming to your lender, and this is kind of a tangent, but before coming to your lender, doing your due diligence and understanding exactly how much you're going to have to put towards rehab how much you can offer comfortably towards a purchase of a property that you're looking to acquire and understanding where those numbers fit within the lender's guidelines is, is really important because the more due diligence you do on your end, the more accurate the lender's quote's going to be because you get into the property, you walk it, you have your scope of work, everything lines up with exactly what you were talking about in the beginning. So I think that, uh, you know, the due diligence piece is really important there. Yeah. You hit the nail on the head there, Chris. It's, and it is hard because, you know, you, Going from the investor's perspective and from the agent's perspective who might be representing the investor, you know, before you submit an offer, you would like to know how much financing you're going to get. But, you know, our numbers are only as good as the underwriting we can perform. And we really don't get started underwriting until these properties are under contract. So um, the more, like you said, the more comprehensive that scope of work can be just absolutely changes how accurate we can be um, in terms of our quote to them. But, you know, Overall, in, in a situation where um, someone is looking to mitigate their down payment, we do offer that cross-collateralized option, which is extremely competitive and helpful and creative for investors who want to increase their return on investment by mitigating the amount of cash they have to put into a deal. So for anyone who's not familiar with cross-collateralization, it's the process of pledging another asset, typically free and clear, but sometimes it just has a low uh, loan to value. Um, and that might already have an existing loan on that property, but that loan might be at a low loan to value. And it's the process of pledging that asset and replacement of the down payment that would be required for this new investment property that you're seeking a loan for. 
So uh, just a, you know, a basic example would be that cross collateral, let's say the property, let's say you're acquiring this property in this situation where your down payment is, you know, let's say $20,000. You have another investment property that you own free and clear. Let's say you own that it's $100,000 after a pair value. And, you know, you go in and you say, hey, I want to pledge this property as cross collateral. If they're in the same county, you know, it could potentially be one mortgage. Um, if it's in separate counties, then there could be two mortgages. But uh, either way, you know, we wrap the properties in to be secured uh, by either multiple mortgages to one note or just one mortgage to one note. And then that completely would eliminate the uh, down payment that's needed for that loan. Um, and and the beauty there is, you know, again, it just completely mitigates the the down payment that's required, even in an instance where you might go through your scope of work and wind up finding that you need to bring more cash to the closing table than you anticipated. Right. And another beautiful part about that is it also can increase the LTV depending on how much either equity you have in another property. Um, you know, if there is another loan on it, how much equity there's that you have there, or if you own the property free and clear, depending on the size of the asset itself, you know, you could eliminate the down payment and, you know, we could be able to offer a higher LTV on the, uh, on the project that you're looking to get into with our loan, because we now have, have more room. And, you know, one of the most common questions that we get asked when we get to the, the down payment portion and how much cash is needed to close is, can I borrow money for the down payment? And this is separate from, you know, partnering with somebody who's a cash partner and, and going into the deal together. This is, hey, can I get either like a second lien on the property and use that that loan to cover the down payment with you guys? And I will say, you know, like a lot of things in real estate, it'll depend. But to keep it simple, you know, if we've done deals with a client in the past, yes, we could we can explore that option. If we've never done a deal with a client, then the answer is no. You know, you think about the down payment portion from a private lender. There's a couple of reasons for it, maybe a few. One is it lowers your LTV right off the bat, but it also puts skin in the game, right? So if you're an investor coming to to a lender, that lender has never worked with you before and you fund 100% of the project, then there's really nothing keeping that investor from just saying, ah, you know, something goes wrong. They're like, I could either try to work through this or I could just walk away and I haven't put any cash into this thing, so what am I worried about? So, you know, if we've never done a deal with a client, then we will not let them them borrow that money from someone else uh, in, in place of the down payment. But I think a really important piece here and kind of on the same or within the same vein of this episode is even if we've done a, cl- you know, a deal with a client, let's say we've done five deals with a client. They come to us, they're like, hey, listen, you know, my money's tied up in this other in this other property and this other project I got going on. but." this great deal came across my desk and I, I really want to you know, pursue it. I have this other guy, he's willing to, to loan me the money for the down payment. Even if we do that deal, that client that we're working with is still going to need cash to be able to, to do this project, right? And for all the reasons that Grant talked about, all the holding costs, all of the surprises that might come up, anybody involved in real estate knows that you know, projects are full of surprises and they typically go over budget if, you, uh, if you're going to generalize it. So either way, even if you're borrowing the money, even if you're using cross collateral in place of this down payment and you're increasing your LTV, we're still going to want to see cash. And that's not just for our own protection. That's also for the, for the protection of the investor themselves. And, you know, Grant, you and I both can attest to the fact that we've been through projects where people didn't have sufficient cash to cover you know, everything that happened within the deal, stuff that they weren't expecting. 
And it didn't leave them in a great position. You know, we walked away and we were able to work things out, but it was a long, arduous process. And there were a lot of times within that process where we were like, I don't know if this is going to work. And so, you know, we'll never make that mistake again. And we don't want to let the investors that we work with make those mistakes either. Yeah, absolutely. And that's just the due diligence piece on our side. And and obviously we serve, you know, kind of the middle ground between the capital investors who put money into the deals that we then procure and, you know, finance for the real estate investors that we, that are our true clients. So yeah, it's, it's one of those things we look at, like you say, Chris, there's no way that we can do a deal where an investor themselves doesn't have any cash. Um, they might have a substitute for cash, like another private investor comes in and does a second position loan. And even in those situations, we're still, um, per our loan docs, we're able to review those loans uh, before they're ever signed. And that's super powerful for us because we can make sure that there's nothing predatory in those, uh, you know, uh, notes or that, that, that would put our position at risk or even just the, the property for the investor at risk. And I don't think there's any way to stress it more. There, there is no deal structure where an investor will need no capital. They might not have to put capital into a deal, uh, you know, at closing, but there's no structure in which an, a, a, a real estate investor will not need capital to complete their deal or at least to get approved for financing. So I know you talked a lot about due diligence, you know, and, and how important that goes along the way, but um, you know, you can wrap this up with the other key takeaways from the conversation we had here and, and get on out of here. Yeah. I think just reiterating what Grant said, you know, no matter the structure of the deal, you're going to need cash, the due diligence portion before coming to us, and it's not that we're not happy to help and walk through the details and walk through different scenarios with you, but the more due diligence you're able to get done, meaning, you know, you walk the property, you know exactly, you know, you have a contractor with you. If, you, if that, you know, you need that, you're not super experienced and you get quotes on different parts of the project that are going to need to to have work done on them. The more you're able to get that due diligence done and, uh, you know, sort through that project, another big piece that I'm just now thinking about as well part of the due diligence is also having great comps, right? Understanding exactly what you feel comfortable and being conservative in your estimate of what that property will either sell for or will be worth when you go to refinance it, depending on your exit strategy. And the third piece here is, while there are always ways to lower your down payment, you know, the more capital that you have at your own disposal, the better, you know, not just for the lender and for their underwriting process, but also for your own comfort, protection, and safety. So I think that's all we got here. Is there anything else, Grant? No, no, that's it. All right. Well, that's all we got, got for you today, everyone. If you found this conversation helpful, please do share it with a friend, leave a review, and feel free to check us out at sharpercapitalpartners.com. And of course, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to us directly at the contact info below. Appreciate you all, and we'll see you in the next one.